Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. Hi, my name is Ella Green. The best marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with, with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a match marketer, my dad is the best. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Chris Kimball of Money Concepts. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Well, let's go back in time and ask, how did you get started? Well, in this business, it was back in about 22 years ago, 1993. I'd been working in electronics sales, selling high-end stereo equipment, that sort of thing. And uh, although I enjoyed it tremendously, when all the imports from China started flooding the market, the commissions began dropping, and I was working straight commission back then. So the handwriting was on the wall, and I realized that uh, that was probably not a career that was going to last I originally had gone into advertising and got a degree from the University of Washington uh, in that, worked in it for a year and hated it, <laughs> so had gone back into electronic sales and then realized that wasn't uh, wasn't a good place to be, as I mentioned. So I uh, sat down with my wife's aunt. She'd been involved in the financial services business for 30 years at that point and said, you ought to look into doing something in financial services. And she worked for Prudential, and I said, well, I don't really want to sell life insurance and she said well you know there's a whole lot more out there than that you can do financial planning and so on so I decided I would stick my toe in the water and see what what happened and I took all the tests and passed them and before you know it I was working for Prudential doing uh, investment work and some life insurance work as well and so forth and it just kind of took off from there and how did you get from there to this point in your career well it was interesting. I, I basically did what I was told. One of the things they said was I had to make a certain amount of phone calls. I had to make a certain amount of appointments. I had to uh, meet a, a number of people that could give me referrals and all that. And I just dutifully went through the hoops and, and did what was necessary. I remember there was a little booklet that I was handed early in my career that said the secret to success. So I opened it up, and basically the article was written a long time ago, back in the 20s or something, and the author's point was that the only difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people do the things that unsuccessful people don't like to do. And it isn't that successful people like to do the things any more than unsuccessful people do. The difference is they just do it. And that's what I did. I just did what I was supposed to, even though it was a lot of 
discomfort, rejection, all the things that one experiences when starting a career like this. But I put my nose to the grindstone, worked long hours for very little pay. And the first year I worked back in 1994 was the first year, full year. I made about $25,000. And that was a little more than half of what I'd been making before, working about 30, 35 hours a week. So it was quite, a, quite an adjustment. But then the next year, my income doubled. And the year after that, it doubled again, and and pretty soon, uh, you know, things were looking up, and so it ended up being a very successful career. Interestingly, the advertising training that I had previously, that I thought was all for naught, turned out to be extremely valuable because when you own your own business, you've got to advertise, you've got to let people know what you do and where you are, and so that ended up being a huge bonus to uh, to the business that I'm in. And how did you get from there? Are you there to where you are now? Well, again, building the business one client at a time. I, I do a number of different, you know, marketing efforts, but primarily my business was built on referrals. Uh, people that, that like what I do for them are more willing to share their uh, their friends and family information with me, and vice versa. And so I basically just meet a lot of people through referrals and. I do the best job I can. If I'm you know, I, obviously I'm honest and I tell the truth, and it's amazing how that works. <laughs> you know, it's, if you do that in business, chances are you'll you'll do okay. I ended up uh, buying a small office condo back in 2000, and I've had a staff uh, with me now. The uh, my main executive assistant has been with me over 10 years, and then I have another assistant that's been with me about going going on five years, and then I have had some you know part-time people along the way to help out as well. And it's been um, it's been a kind of a team effort. I've obviously had some bumps in the road when it comes to staff and when it comes to the economy and everything else. But if you weather the storms and uh, again keep your uh, keep your focus on where you want to be, the chances are it'll work out. Absolutely. Now, are you still with the same firm that you started with all those years ago? No, I was with uh, Pruco Securities, which is a division of Prudential. I was with them for about 18 years. And then in 2011, I decided to become completely independent. And there were a number of reasons for this. The compliance was getting extremely restrictive. Uh, Prudential, being an insurance-based company, uh, had certain rules they had to follow that, that not all firms necessarily have to. Now, of course, all the firms are pretty much being regulated the same way, and it's very extreme. But the company I went to, Money Concepts, is extremely proactive in helping me build my practice continually and, and um, uh, do the you know the best for my clients and give all sorts of different options that weren't available when I was working for Prudential. Prudential is a good company. Nothing wrong with the company, and I still market and sell some of their products. But now being independent, I can offer far far more than I could before. The compliance is a little bit um, easier to deal with. And also the compensation is different. Uh, Prudential had a bonus structure set up that was something that wasn't really uh, commensurate with the kind of work that I do. I do a lot of managed money and investments. And so Prudential's emphasis was more on the insurance product side. So as I got into more fee-based financial planning and uh, fee asset management, uh, it, it was clear that Prudential wasn't necessarily the best fit for the kind of practice that I wanted to have. So I, you know... I jumped into the deep end at, uh, and left Prudential and started a, basically started over in uh, 2011. But fortunately, my clients realized that I had switched, and although I couldn't actually contact them and solicit them, about 98% contacted me, 
and uh, under their own volition switched uh, to my new firm and came with me and so in three or four months things were you know back up and running and, and fortunately it worked out great in fact I had my best year in 2014 and then 2015 was even better than that so things have been going very well lately congratulations that is some well-deserved success what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now that is a great question Boy, I think what I would have done is been more selective in my clientele because as I built my practice, you know, when you start out, you basically talk to anyone that fogs a mirror because you have to build your practice. The problem is you will eventually hit what uh, there's a strategic coach guy called Dan Sullivan, and he talks about the ceiling of complexity. And if you fill up your file cabinets with a lot of people who are uh, smaller clients, they will eventually uh, clog the system to the point where you can't market and effectively deal with your other clients because there's just too much going on, too many little things you have to deal with. So although it would be a little slower start to begin the practice with uh, fewer larger clients would probably be a little bit better in the long term. The other thing is rather than commission-based products, fee-based products really offer a better long-term picture, not only for revenue streams being more predictable, but also the saleability and value of the practice when you do uh, decide it's time to uh, start looking at retirement. What have been some of your biggest, biggest business mistakes, and more importantly, what did you learn from that? Wow, another great question. The biggest business mistake probably for me has been uh, it's kind of a combined uh, two-for-one, uh, not really paying as close attention when I hire people as I should have, uh, where I'm getting the information to hire and so forth, and also not necessarily jettisoning people fast enough when it clearly wasn't a fit. I had a woman who just didn't really work out very well, and I think she was with us a year and a, almost a year and a half, and I probably should have let her go after about three months, but I'm just too much of a softie. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. What is your biggest challenge now, I mean, with all the success you've achieved? Well, the biggest challenge now, quite frankly, is trying to manage all the emails and uh, various details of the practice. They tend to distract me from the things that I really need to do. Now, as I mentioned, I've got uh, two basically full-time staff people, one's three-quarter time, and then a part-time person or two. And they're running at full speed to try to keep things going. There's more regulations and compliance than ever before. And that really does kind of interfere with, with what we do. It used to be years ago I could open up an IRA for someone with basically two pieces of paper. And now it takes probably around you know, 40 to 60 pages for the same kind of thing. So the, uh, the disclosure rules and all that are getting more and more onerous, uh, it seems like, every day. Absolutely, that is quite a challenge. How do you deal with, uh, I mean, what drives you crazy about your, you talked about the regulation issue. What, is there anything else that drives you crazy about your business? Just the volume of emails. Uh, there's just, I, I probably get 100 to 150 emails a day. And it used to be when I started that we didn't even have email. And now I spend probably one to two hours per day just dealing with emails. I mean, they're all 
legitimate, in most cases, concerns, things I do have to address. Some of it is junk mail, of course. Some are things I don't need to worry about. I have to just delete them. But it's I gave the analogy to someone the other day that it's 20 years ago, it would be like going to your mailbox, opening the door, and having 100 letters fall out on your floor every single day. It's just almost overwhelming. Absolutely. And what are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work? Well, um, I read mainly trade publications and magazines and things like that. But in terms of kind of inspirational books that kept me going, one of them was by John Maxwell called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That was a great book. Another book I thought was pretty good was Who Moved My Cheese. That's a short, uh, rather short book. And let's see, other books I've read. Well, of course, I read the, I tend to read the Bible now and again, and that that's pretty inspirational. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you keep on top of all the current changes, not only in the financial marketplace and investments, but also in terms of the products and services that you're, you and the companies that you work through are able to offer? How do you stand top of all of that? Well, the email, some of the emails I get are actually informational. Uh, I get uh, several uh, several updates from three or four different sources that contain anywhere, anywhere from four to ten uh, current news articles concerning the financial industry, what's going on, changes, updates on things. And that's very helpful. I read through those every day. I also subscribe to the Journal of Financial Planning because I'm a member of the Financial Planning Association. And that is full of technical articles as well as updates on the financial landscape. Also receive Round of the Table magazine, which comes from the Million Dollar Roundtable, which I've been a member of every year since 1996. And that's based on, you know, production numbers and ethical uh, qualifications and so forth. And that's, it's financial services, but that's probably a little bit more insurance-based. So it doesn't have as much to do with my practice as the investment side of things and the financial planning side does these days. Um, Also, we'll uh, go on, like, lunch appointments with uh, product wholesalers from different companies I attend seminars put on by local third-party administrators, say, for 401k plans or uh, 401k providers, uh, investment companies, those sorts of things. So I try to stay involved with uh, some of those informational meetings. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Who is an ideal client for you? Ideal client is somebody who is retiring and needs to do something with their 401k plan. They're leaving the company. They want to have more control. Maybe the investment options in the plan are not that great, so we're able to manage those assets. Uh, people who have inherited money also are people I like to work with. They many times are not used to the large sums that they suddenly have, and if they don't have guidance, and are not shown different options, the chance of them blowing the money or doing something silly with it is very great. So I try to work out a plan that encompasses all of their goals, not only for the immediate future, but you know for the next 30, 40 years until they're 100 years old. 
because we want to make sure the money is invested wisely and will last as long as it needs to. And what is the first step you would want for them to take? The first step is for them to come in and meet me and find out if we like each other. <laughs> I mean, they've got to have a sense of humor. They need to be open and transparent. I'm very open and transparent. I basically tell people exactly how much money I make on every transaction. And if they're not comfortable with who I am and how I'm compensated and the approach I take to not only the financial world but life in general, then it probably doesn't make sense to work together. But if we can communicate honestly and openly and they're willing to listen and take advice, that usually means we can then move forward with the details of their financial um, situation. And how would you want those folks to get in touch with you? Well, the best way is probably calling my office. It's, you know, 800-722-PLAN. 800-722-PLAN. Yeah, and that's uh, 722-7526. Uh, the other way, of course, is to visit my website, which is uh, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, V, is it Victor, Kimball, K-I-M-B-A-L-L, chrisvkimball.com. Okay. Thank you so much. Fascinating interview. I've got tons of notes. I'm sure our listeners do, too. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.